Well, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, we're going to wrap up this series we've been in for a while now uh, called Reflections. And in this series, we've looked at how the Bible is all about Jesus, including the Old Testament. And, um, you know, it's been an amazing series. And we honestly could spend the rest of the year doing that. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but, or if, or if you've been keeping up with the scripture as we've been going through, but we've barely made it out of the book of Exodus. You know, and, uh, you know, there's so much more we could talk about, uh, but I wanted to wrap this up today. Uh, a young man, he went to a, a job interview, and uh, this interviewer, the recruiter, says to the, to the candidate, you know, we need someone for this job. We need someone who is responsible, right? And, and the young man said, well, that's, that's me. I'm responsible. As a matter of fact, at my old job, every time something went wrong, they said I was responsible. You know, maybe you've had some jobs that were tough, right? Uh, where you were responsible for a lot of things. I know I've had different jobs over my life where maybe one job there was more responsibility than the next. And, and when you think about that word, responsibility is, is a big word, right? It, it's big. It comes with every job, and it means that you are in charge of making sure that certain things happen. You are. You're in charge. You're you're responsible. And as we wrap up this series, as we finish this, we have two very important things left to talk about this morning, and that's prophets and kings. Prophets and kings. These were two tough jobs. Well, why do I say tough? Well, you're talking to people and you're leading people, right? It, just think back to any job that you've had. The toughest things are talking and working with people and then, then leading people. Those are very tough jobs, big responsibility. And this morning we're going to look at these two very important roles in the Old Testament and see how they relate back to Jesus, right? That's what we've been doing in this whole series. And we're going to see how these two roles have everything to do with us, you and me, today. You might say, well, how, did, how does this apply to me? What has everything to do with you and we'll talk about that so first of all who and what were the prophets well you might want to write this down prophets were to proclaim the word of God prophets were to proclaim the word of God now when we hear the word prophet we think of a lot of things don't we but these guys were not future tellers they were not fortune tellers um they were not mystical wizards, right, that we, that we think about or maybe that we see in Hollywood or anything like that. The idea behind the prophets is that God gave these guys information. God simply gave them information either through directly speaking to them or through dreams or through visions. And they simply gave the information to others that they had been given by God. They were to speak on behalf of God. Now, just think about that for a minute. I mean, wow. Can you imagine that job, the responsibility that's wrapped up in that to, to speak on behalf of God? If God comes to you and says, I've got a message to give you, oh, and by the way, you need to give it to others. That's a big responsibility. I can remember the first time I gave a 
major presentation uh, when I was working over here at the college. I had, I had talked to people for a while, you know, I, I was used to that, but I never really gave a, a major presentation in front of an audience, and it was on government procurement regulations. <laughs> Sounds exciting, doesn't it? But here's the thing, like, I couldn't get up there and just give you my opinion. I couldn't get up there and just be Zach and, and just be myself. You know, I was, I was talking about rules and regulations, and, and so I had to know those things. And, and they were just like, well, you, you study, you find out what you need to say, but here, you go and say it, and you go and talk to these people. And so it was so intimidating. I was so nervous, afraid I would mess up because what I was talking about was so important, right? It was legal stuff. It was law. It was regulations. And, man, if I just say the wrong thing just once, my reputation's ruined. All right, and what I do today, look, this is intimidating. Um, I'm nervous about speaking anyway, and uh, speaking in front of people, in front of, you know, a couple hundred people is intimidating, and especially when we open up God's Word. I don't take that lightly. I hope you know that. Uh, it's a tremendous responsibility um, to, to do something like that, and those of you that teach God's Word, you know that. Uh, you you can feel that when you, when you engage in something like that. So the prophets had a big job to do. They were responsible for delivering messages from God to others, and they were a major part of God's communication to this world. We cannot simply just write off the prophets and look at that and say, well, that doesn't apply to me, or I don't really think that's necessary in, in, in my life. If you look at the Old Testament, at least 21 of the 39 Old Testament books were written by prophets. If you include Moses in that, which he, you know, he was, um, that would add five more to that. So over half of the Old Testament is written by prophets. In almost every book, you can find where it starts out, thus says the Lord, or the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me, right? And these were the guys like Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, and then all those other guys that sound like Star Wars characters near the end. I'm not going to try to name them, but just by, just by looking at this, if you're a Bible geek like me, just by looking at the sheer number of prophets and words in the Old Testament, we can gather that this is important. God's word's pretty important. And these guys were powerful. You know, they spoke with power, and a lot of times uh, they did miraculous things. You know, with God's word comes power. And when God gives us his word, there's power in that because he's in that. So this morning I want to look at a guy named Samuel. And Samuel is one of the first prophets. And he was a great prophet, and he was set apart as special by God from a very early age. And many of you know Samuel. You know, you know his mother, Hannah. She wasn't able to have children. And she prayed to God, and God granted her request. And because God was gracious to her and gave her a son, Hannah made a commitment to, you know, give her son over to the service of the Lord. So she went and she dropped him off at the tabernacle, right? Now, now listen, don't leave your kids here at church. <laughs> I will show up on your doorstep with them. 
So this is where Samuel was. He, he was set apart, special by God. In First uh, Samuel 3, 19, this is so interesting when I read through this, this relationship between God and Samuel. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. How many? None. Can you imagine having a conversation with somebody like that? Just the, the power that's behind each and every word of the prophet of God. None of his words fell to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba. If you see a map of ancient Israel, Dan is all the way in the north and Beersheba is all the way in the south. It's close to Egypt. So this, this whole area everywhere recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. He had a reputation. He was famous. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there, look at this, he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. How remarkable is that? God's presence is in his word. And that's how God interacted with these guys was through his word, and then they were to give his word to others. It was, a, it was a huge responsibility not only to listen and receive the message, but to be faithful and to give the message. Why? Now, they represented God. They represented God's communication. They represented um, him to this world. And it was also a huge responsibility because of who their audience was you know i talked about how it's intimidating for me to talk in front of a group larger than five people <laughs> um the prophet's audience was an entire nation millions of people to deliver a message to and they were sent to turn people back to god you know a lot of times the nation of israel would turn away from god they would fall back they would uh, go separate ways. They would make their own idols, and then God would send a message through a prophet to tell them to turn back. Which brings us to a question How could the prophets turn an entire nation back to God? How could one person influence so many people? Well, the answer is what we're going to talk about next, and that is the kings. The kings. If, if we're going to mention prophets, we have to mention kings. Well, who were the kings and what was their relationship with the prophets? Well, write this down too. Kings were to carry out the word of God. Prophets were to proclaim the word. Kings were to carry out the word. So continuing in our conversation regarding Samuel, Samuel was a powerful prophet and he also served in the tabernacle remember I mentioned that so he also was sort of like a, a, a priest you know when you talk about it that way and the Bible says that he grew up in the presence of the Lord and Samuel had favor with not only the Lord but with all people he was a great leader and he was the closest thing to a king that the people had and as he got older people started worrying about what would take place after Samuel, right? They started panicking. Well, what are we going to do? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. So all the elders, that's very important there because the elders were the leaders. You know, this isn't just uh, the normal, everyday, common people panicking. 
looking for a king. This is all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old. <laughs> that was nice of them, wasn't it? You know, this week, uh, this has been a crazy week, hasn't it? With the Area 51 thing and then the, uh, the moon landing and then the old, old face app, right? I know you all did that. Um, I did it, and I kept getting the error message on it. It said, not enough memory. So that's what I got to look forward to is losing my memory. All right, you, uh, you guys are going to have to drink some coffee or something. So uh, you are old, right? So a nice way to, that's a good icebreaker. You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. Well, we, we as humans, we're so impatient, aren't we? Many times we think that God doesn't know what he's doing or um, we think that he's not involved or we question what he's doing. We get impatient and then, and then many times we try to do things on our own, our own ways and our own strength. And look, I just want you to notice this. The people wanted Samuel to name a king when? Now. Like, not after you die, but now, you know. Right there, right then. And, and here's another problem I see here. Who do they want to be like? Like all the other nations have. You know, folks, we are supposed to be different than all the other nations. Not be like them. We are supposed to stand out in this world and, and be light in a dark world. Not blend in. So the people wanted Samuel to name a king, and Samuel did not like the idea. If you go back and read scripture, he was so mad, so angry. But here's, he had a conversation with the Lord. He went to the Lord in prayer, and the Lord told Samuel to let the people have what they wanted. And he told Samuel, it's not you they have rejected, it's me, which is very interesting. So the Lord allowed for the people to have a king. He never recommended it, unlike everything else we've talked about, unlike the priests, unlike the prophets. The Lord simply allowed kings to be. And so the kings were supposed to carry out the word of God. They were supposed to represent peace and prosperity and righteousness to God's people. So I want you to just look at this relationship with me. The prophets were to proclaim the word of God and the kings were to carry out the word. The prophets were to advise and instruct the kings and the kings were to carry out that instruction because that instruction came from who? From God, you see. That's how it was supposed to work. It was supposed to be this harmonious relationship of the giving of God's word and the carrying out of God's word. That's how you influence an entire nation to bring them back to the Lord. That's how it's supposed to work. But it didn't work out that way. As a matter of fact, the very first king flopped. And it wasn't because of God. It was because the king failed to heed the word of God. Uh, the first king was Saul, and he started out okay. He really did, but then he ignored 
the words of God. Zach, are you sure that's what really happened? Yeah, that's, that's what really happened. 1 Samuel 15, 23. Look at this. This is a message from God given through Samuel to Saul. And I want to show you the importance of God's word. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Do you see how important that is? You you see the word of the Lord and the king related there? So for the kingship to work, the word of the Lord had to be honored. It had to be heeded. It had to be taken seriously, and it had to be implemented. It had to be carried out. But unfortunately, the people's idea of having a human king never, ever worked out. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll notice that there were 42 kings in all. You know, uh, Samuel and then David's probably the most popular uh, that we think about. And then Solomon, David's son. And after Solomon, man, Israel just got devastated. The entire nation split into two. You had Israel in the north and Judah in the south, and all of the kings in the north were evil, bad. Just a handful in the south were good. Shortly after this, the nation of Israel was overtaken by Babylon. The temple was destroyed. Then you have all these national powers, these world powers come in and conquer and take over and control and rule over Israel. You have Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Look, it was like that for 400 years. Wow. Surrounding nations, enemies of Israel would rule them. So is the word of God important? It is. It is. Which brings us to our discussion about Jesus. How does Jesus fit into all this? Well, just let me set it up this way. Jesus perfected the role of prophet and king. He perfected both of these. He had both of these. He fulfills both of these roles perfectly. Hebrews 1, verse 1. Look at this language. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, we are in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You see there he is related to the prophet. Jesus is the the ultimate prophet. But then... Notice how it transitions here. Jesus is also king. Look at this. Whom he appointed heir of all things. And through whom also he made the universe. So we see that Jesus was the ultimate prophet of God. But we also see here that he is powerful. He's sovereign. He is heir of all things. And he made the universe. Man, what a mighty, mighty king. So how does Jesus do this? How does he complete the roles? I'll just go through these quickly. These are not on the screen. I'll just uh, tell you two things. First of all, regarding the prophet, Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the, the word of God. When we look at what prophets did, they spoke on behalf of God. Yeah, Jesus fulfilled that role. He came in and he spoke and he taught and he ministered and he spoke powerfully on behalf of God 
but he was also the word of God. John 1.1 1, 1 and John 1.14, we know these. I just put them on the screen here together for you. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And John is referring to here as Jesus being the word of God. How do we know that? Because, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So not only when Jesus came, not only did he speak on behalf of God, but he was God's word. He was the word of God. He gave us the message of God simply by coming and showing up and showing himself to others. He gave us the communication by God by allowing us to see him, to observe him. Jesus is the ultimate prophet because he not only carried God's word, but he was God's word. Well, what about the king role? Jesus is the faithful king. When we think about the kings, and I know I just briefly mentioned them to you, 42 kings, none of them were, most of them were evil, none of them were super successful. Jesus is the faithful king. He did the will of God. When you read in the Gospels, you can clearly see that his instruction, his communication, his guidance is coming directly from the Father. And Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father. He was completely obedient. And listen to me. He did it when it was the hardest. And it's one thing to do something and be obedient and, and, and carry things out when it's good for you. When it's okay for you. When it's convenient for you. When it feels good for you. But when it's difficult when it costs you something, when it hurts, that's when it's hard to be obedient. When Jesus came, especially when he started to transition you know, into uh, a role of more prominence, when he started saying and telling people that he was the Messiah, the King, when he did that, people made fun of him. They didn't take him seriously. They rejected him. And you know what? He still obeyed. He, he was arrested and then beaten. People spat in his face. This king, they uh, put a crown of thorns on him. They put a scarlet robe on him. They put a, a scepter in his hand, they mocked him and laughed at him. Still, he obeyed. They laid him on a rugged wooden cross. And they nailed him to it. And they laughed at him. And you know what they called him? King of the Jews. Still, he obeyed. In this, Jesus is fully God, and so we see God laying on a cross, suffering, bleeding. And the scripture tells us that the Son of God did not take advantage of his own deity. He did not take advantage of his own power. He did not consider, consider his equalness of God to be used to his own advantage. No, this king, he was faithful 
and obedient until death. He, he endured the pain and the agony of the cross, and he was faithful to the very end. But that wasn't the end. You see, to someone, to someone who made the universe, what is death to that, to someone like that? It's, it's nothing. Death is no match. You see, the king conquered death because he conquered the grave. And because he was the faithful king, God the Father made him the king of kings. He was faithful and obedient all along. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore, why? Because of all that stuff we talked about, because of his faithfulness when it was hard, when there was suffering, when there was pain. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And isn't that good? That is our king. And the king of kings is on his throne as I am speaking. And one day, one day that king will return. But until then, here's where you and I come in. We have a big responsibility. And this applies to all believers. If you claim to be a Christian this morning, look, I want to, do more than encourage you. I want to challenge you to understand that this applies to you. We've been given a command by the Lord. Young, old, it doesn't matter. The king has given us a message and a mission. The king has given us a message and a mission. I know we talk about this often, but we really need to understand what our purpose in life is. We need to understand what we are called to do here. The Lord has given us a message and a mission to share that message with the world. Matthew 28, this is the Great Commission. We all know this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority. <laughs> Do you see him showing his kingship there? All authority. And this is post-resurrection. You see, he was the faithful king. Now he's the sovereign king. And all authority has been given to him on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's our mission. That's our mission. We're to make disciples. We're to make followers of Jesus. As we finish up, I'm about done. Very important. We, get, we have to start here. We have to start here. We've got to make sure that Jesus is our king. You have to make sure that Jesus is your king. I think many of us try to jump right in and start, uh, you know, making disciples or maybe we avoid that altogether because it seems so daunting, seems so challenging. The very first place to start is to make sure that Jesus is your king. And that's what it means to call on the name of the Lord. You know, when you read through that, throughout the Bible and you, you, you look at salvation and you know, you, you call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Well, to call on the name of the Lord means you make him king of your life. You're pledging allegiance to Jesus, to the king of kings. Let me ask you this. Do you allow Jesus to be your king? 
It's so easy. I, look, I, I know. I understand how it is. It's so easy to get wrapped up in this world, to focus on your life and the life of your family and your kids and, and take your eyes off of who you pledged your life to. I know that. Matthew 6, uh, this probably isn't on the screen, it's just the verse that came to my mind. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's, Jesus was talking about anxiety there and worry, but the principle is still the same. Seek first the kingdom, the kingdom of God. This life isn't about us. It's about him. And before we can be effective in the kingdom, we have to make sure that Jesus is in his proper place in our own life. We have to. And then, once we do that, we tell others about the kingdom. We simply tell others about the kingdom. We are to share the gospel, share Jesus, share the message of the kingdom with others. Look at Matthew 10, 7. And Jesus always sent people out to do things. He always sent people out on mission. And, and look at this, these instructions here from the king. As you go, right, as you go out, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near, right? So what are we to do? If you, if you literally say this, look, people are going to think you're crazy. If you literally go up to somebody and say, the kingdom of heaven has come near, just try that and see what happens. No, I mean, let's, let's just be honest. Think about this message in that day. Think about the people. What they had been waiting for for such a long time. Think about the long list of kings that's longer than our alphabet that were wicked. Think about the 400 years of being owned by another nation and ruled. What would a message like this bring? Hope? Healing? Excitement? Joy? Right? That is what we need to share. When we read this and Jesus says, go, you proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come. We need to share hope with the world. We need to share joy with the world. In his kingdom, there is hope, there's healing, there's forgiveness, there's eternal life, and there's unconditional love. The world needs to hear that. They need to hear that this life isn't all there is, that this world isn't all there is, that there's a much better place, that there is an eternal kingdom with a faithful king who loves them unconditionally. That's what they need to hear. Are you being faithful with what God's called you to do? Are you being faithful in carrying out the words of God? What things are you doing to help build the kingdom? You know, all of us are not called to be missionaries, but all of us are called to be on mission. I want you to think about that. You know, here at Community Heights, we've um, taken on a, 
a mission statement. It's there on your bulletin, but we are building a community of Christ followers until the Lord returns. And that's what I want our church to be about. Building a community, building a kingdom for our king, for our Lord, because the king is reigning now, but he's returning soon. Amen. And whether, whether he returns or he calls you home, it's my prayer, it's my hope that you will be found a faithful servant of the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for your word. It is your presence. We thank you for being here today and talking to us, speaking through me and speaking into our hearts. Father, may we be obedient to what you've shown us. Father, we see that Jesus ultimately fulfills not only the role of uh, prophet, not only the role of king, but all of the Old Testament. And your word is about him. Your word is him. Father, thank you, thank you for the love and the hope and the forgiveness and the life that is found in Jesus. And help us to live out the rest of our days here serving him and being faithful to him because he is always faithful and will always be faithful to us. And, and Lord, it's my prayer this morning, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, Father, I pray that right now you would speak to their hearts and let them know that they need you and that they can come to you through Jesus. That if they place their faith and make Jesus Lord and King of their life and trust in him, that you will save them and you will hold them and you will grant them forgiveness and eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.